Hi, I'm Brittany. Welcome to the Seated Sisterhood Bible Study. Here, we plan to go deep into the Word of God so that you can develop a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. So come on into the room. Pull up your seat at the table because we've been waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, seated sisters, welcome back to our study. I'm so excited to get to study Ephesians chapter three with you. And we are studying Ephesians chapter three, verses one through 13. So if you had not had an opportunity to go ahead and begin that study or listen to those verses, go ahead and do that. Pause the video and come back and join me here because we're going to jump right into it today. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every woman who is taking time to get to know you. God, it's not about getting to know me or even just listening to my teaching, God. It's about getting to know who you are. So I pray that you would teach us something new about who you are, that something that we believe might be refined and that what we believe might show up in what we do. God, I pray for each woman you've seated at this table, that they would take their seat, know that their place is secure because you've positioned them in a heavenly place with you. And I ask that you would bless this time together in Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys, let's get into it. So we're going to talk about three things that God pulled out to me that he wanted me to kind of emphasize to you guys today. And those three things are we're going to talk about first, the purpose of a mystery. Second, we're going to talk about what confident access and boldness is. And third, we're going to talk about these bookends that Paul gave us in this section of scripture. So let's jump right into the purpose of a mystery. So when I was reading this, it starts out and let me bring up my um, text here. It starts out in Ephesians 1, and it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ Jesus, on your behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard about the administration of God's grace he gave me for you, the mystery that was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written about above. He goes on to say mystery another time here in verse 4, right here. And he kind of talks the rest of the time, most of this is talking about this mystery that he's been given. Now, this isn't new to us. If you've been with us in the study for a while, Paul actually talks about this mystery for a good section in chapters one and two. And what we talked about this mystery was, is this revelation, this divine revelation that God gave to Paul that basically said, hey, you are going to be the one that helps the Gentiles know that they are included in the family of believers. They are included just like the Jews are. Up to this moment, the Jews were God's people. But now all people, every nation, every creed, every you know denomination, if we bring it into modern terms, every culture and race has the opportunity to be a part of God's family. That is the mystery that Paul is discussing here. The mystery that the holy prophets didn't know about before in the Old Testament. This is something unique that God is revealing in this time post the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Now, this is important because I was like, okay, Paul is really emphasizing how this mystery is, is how this is mysterious and it's new and the word mystery kind of drew me in and I was like God I don't understand why we're still talking about this we explained it for three chapters he spent a lot of time explaining to them um was this something I didn't understand and God was like no you're asking the wrong question and so then I started asking about well what what is a mystery why do you speak to us in mysteries why was this hidden from them before why was it not released into this time and God was like now you're asking the right questions and so 
as I began to study, I realized that this is one of 12 overarching themes that we can see in scripture that represent various mysteries God reveals. Some of them include like the mystery of the incarnate, the fact that Jesus was kind of mentioned in the Old Testament that he was going to come, God was going to come, and there was a Messiah coming. But that's a mystery as to how it became both God and human. Um, another one for future is the mystery of the Antichrist, how the spirit of the Antichrist will be both human and the spirit um, of opposition against God. Uh, there are several other mysteries God reveals throughout scriptures that were hidden in the Old Testament that come to light after the birth of his son. Um, and you can study those. And I'll try to put a resource in our volley group that gives you guys access to be able to study that. But because there, I found a wonderful article on it. But the, the bigger overarching thing I want you to walk away from is that Paul, this is one of the eight mysteries that Paul was given access to. So if you read other epistles, he may not always be referencing this particular mystery. Um, but as I looked at all of them, I begin to wonder, why does God speak to us in mysteries? And it's because of two reasons. One, it's to reveal riches that he wants us to know. But the second part of it is for intimacy. Okay. So there is a point at which in the New Testament that Jesus is speaking to the Gentiles and the, um, excuse me, he's speaking to his disciples and they come to him and say, Father, why is it that you speak in parables? Why are you telling them these things in parables? Why aren't you speaking plain? And he basically turns to his disciples and says, that's because it's not for them to know. He says it's for you to know. And he's differentiating here, not based on who he wants to know him, but on who has access to the revelation. Um, let me give you this example. When my daughter was young, my husband would create these wonderful adventures for the two of them to go on. I would be at work and he would send me these pictures and videos of Anaya solving these unicorn mysteries. And basically he took this unicorn and there was a witch and she had stolen the unicorn and we had to go rescue the unicorn. But in order for her to get to this unicorn, she had to solve all these little puzzles, like read the word on the floor or find the drawer that had um, the green shape on it. He, he, all these little like educational puzzles scattered hunts that he did for her and they had the best adventure so much so that I actually had to buy an actual unicorn for her to rescue it was not just enough for her to have this imaginary unicorn and while the point was to rescue the unicorn that wasn't his goal his goal was one to teach her some kind of educational things along the way but the overarching goal was for them to be able to spend time together those are memories that even though she's eight and those things happened when she was like one and a half, two, they are so cemented in her that she doesn't even remember necessarily why this unicorn is so special to her that still sits on her bed, but she remembers the time that she spent with her dad. She doesn't remember that the lessons that she learned, but she remembers the time that she spent with him. And that time cemented their relationship very early on. And that is exactly what these mysteries are for us. They may seem like puzzles that we have to work at unraveling, but the point isn't necessarily just solving the puzzle. Yes, we get to know God a little better every time we lean in and listen to him and, and seek him out. But the point is seeking him. The point is the intimacy. When he turns to his disciples and says, I speak to you in parable, these riches are to be made known to you. He says that because he's saying, you come back and ask me. I will explain to anyone who's asking, but it separates those who are there for just observation and those who really want to get to know the truth of who God is. And that is really why God speaks to us in mystery. It creates a layer that provides opportunity for you to come close, for you to draw near. 
So there are riches to be revealed, but at the end of the day, it's all about us drawing unto him. And I want you to know that throughout the Bible, like I said, those themes are there because we see that God walks us to through this idea of progressive um, revelation. He does not give us everything up front. If you go to the Old Testament and look at the Ten Commandments that he gives the children of Israel in Exodus, and then keep reading through Leviticus and Numbers, you see he expands every time a little by little on what he means. And to show you how he does that throughout scripture, think of one of the Old Testament commandments that says, do not murder. He started with the basics. Do not murder. Do not kill someone. Do not sacrifice your children to idols. Um, honor and do not steal from your neighbor. But then he comes and Jesus comes in the New Testament. He says, hey, not only do I not want you to murder, if you are picturing in your mind that you hate someone so much that you wish they would die, even though you don't do it with your hands, that is the same sin in God's eyes that you would rather end them than extend them the mercy that you are receiving from God when he withholds his mercy, that you would rather covet and take than trust and be content with what God is giving you or work um, and use the work of your hands to add to your fields. God never didn't give that to them when he met them right out of slavery. He gave them what they could handle at that point. And over time, as they walked with him, as they continued to get to know him, he revealed himself a little bit more. And God does the same thing to us. So when we see that Paul is like, I've been given this mystery that was hidden from ages from, from the church, but now it's being made known. And, and even the heavens, I love that part. And I'm gonna um, show you guys that here. It says that even the heavens right here, it says that this, the whole point of this was so his multifaceted wisdom could be made through the church to whom? To the rulers of the authorities in heavens. So we're going to talk about those rulers and authorities in heaven when we get um, deeper into Ephesians. But I just wanted to point out that even heaven is coming to understand who God is watching the church and the way Jesus loves the church. The angels are getting to understand aspects of God they don't even know because there is an intimacy and a privilege God has given to us as humans. And it reminds me of that, you know, the song, um, this is who, you know, in the scripture, who is man that you are mindful of us, that you hear us when we call. He has angels right there, but he's chosen to draw near and draw close to us. So when you get to a place where you are stuck in your life where it just is not making sense. When you get to a place in the word where you are just struggling to understand what God is saying, trust that God wants you to come to him and ask. Trust that God wants through the Holy Spirit wants to give you that revelation. He wants you um, to get to know him a little bit better and spend the time that's required to unravel that mystery. I want you to view it as a present and a gift for his presence in your life. Number two, let's jump into verse 10 now. So we were just talking about verse 10 and it says, this is the multifaceted wisdom of God that may be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. Um, and then right after that, right after he says, hey, this was made known. So these rulers and authorities, um, but the etern this was according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That eternal purpose we know um, back in chapter two, it said it was to bring everything under Christ. And it says in Christ, now that we have been bought together with Christ, if you guys remember, that was what we finished up with the, at the end of, um, chapter two, it says, because we have been bought chapter one, said we were bought under Christ, like a head is to a body. Chapter two says we were reconciled to God, that everything was put under him. And we've been seated with him because we have that position. Now we have boldness and confident access 
through our faith in him, not through our works. I just want to let that sit there. Not through our works. There is nothing you can do that gives you a better seat at the table or more access to God than you just choosing to believe that God already gave it to you and his son. There's nothing you can do that can take that seat away. There's nothing you can do that can earn more of a seat. You have confidence and boldness when you come because you are seated with him in heavenly places. Um, when I looked at the cross references for this, one of the scriptures that came up was like talking about that confidence and that boldness we have. And it, it reminded us of... First Thessalonians 3.13, that says, don't grow weary in doing good. And it says, because we will reap if we don't, you know, we will reap a harvest if we don't faint. And it's encouraging us saying, look, you can come to God. You don't have to faint. You don't have to grow weary. We can come to God with confident boldness, knowing that he wants to work with us. He wants to reveal those mysteries to us. He wants to move in our life that we have been given. One of the riches that he gave us that it talked about, one of the purposes of a mystery was to reveal riches. One of those riches, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 told us was that we have that resurrection power. We have that same power that resurrected Christ in the dead in us, that we were called and brought near to him so we could walk with that power. Another thing it talked about was us boasting in the hope and glory of God, according to Romans 5 and 2. It says, when we put our focus on the fact that it's not about us, it's not about our striving, it's not about our effort, it's not about what we can do or what we might one day be able to accomplish. It's all about who God is. We can put our confidence in God. I love how... Um, uh, her name is escaping me, but there's a, a wonderful woman speaker right now, um, Marshawn Evans, and she coined the term Godfidence, that it's not about being confident in our abilities, but it's about knowing that if the spirit is leading us in a direction, we can trust that God is going to show up in our behalf. Um, we are confident and bold because of, because of his faithfulness to us. Our faith in who he is, not in who we are, or even what we bring and offer to the table gives us the confidence we need to show up and sow, okay? Um, when I was look, looking at this, God said, I want you to be confident in what I've put in your hands. I've asked you to sow and I've asked you to water. I've asked you to tend to the garden that I've placed in front of you. But in no way have I put the responsibility of the results in your hand. This is so good to me as a mom, as someone who's stewarding ministry um, and trying to steward a call God is reminding me that my part of the job, my part of the equation is faithfulness, not success. That he isn't calling me to um, manifest some amazing adults. He's not calling me to make my marriage perfect. He is asking if I will be faithful with what he's put in my hands for the day, with the task that he has set before me right, day, right now. So what does this look like on a Thursday for me? Am I gonna be faithful to lead my kids to do their math, you know, in homeschool? Am I going to be faithful to let them listen to that hymn? And even though it may seem, you know, boring to them at first to help them understand the, the nuances of theology, because that's something he's um, asked me to do with my kids at home. Am I going to shut my mouth in the conversations with my husband where God may want to speak more than I am? Am I going to stop lecturing and let the Holy Spirit begin to work in my kid's life more than my desire to shame them and see on their faces a visible apology? I talked about that a little bit in the group, um, but I am not responsible for results. First Corinthians 3, 6 through 9 tells me that one sows, another waters, but it is God who grants the increase. We can be confident 
Um, and I love that he gave this confident access because he's contrasting this a little bit with that mystery. He's saying there was an exclusion for the Gentiles at one point. They had a very limited access to God. But now that we are united with God, we have this emboldened confidence that God is going to work on our behalf, that God is going to be in our midst, that God is going to stay among us and God is going to keep leading us forward. And the last thing I want to sum up is these bookends. So I want us to look at really quickly um, verse one, which says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, and then go down to verse 13. And it says, so then I asked you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf because they are for your glory. If you guys remember back when we looked at the background of this uh, epistle, we talked about the fact that Paul had been imprisoned in Rome when he wrote this letter. And so he wrote this letter to several churches, Ephesians um, primarily, but knowing, knowing this would be passed through the church, churches uh, in the Lyca Valley, including um, some other very well-known minor churches that we've heard of in Revelation and some who have their own epistles. He's writing this from prison. And so he's saying that all of these mysteries that God has given them, all this confident access, everything that's happening to him, even though he's a prisoner, he's like, do not be discouraged by my pain. Know that my afflictions have a purpose. That is what Paul wants them to know. And so I think the last thing that God wants us to walk away with here is he wants us to know that our own afflictions, our own suffering and struggle have a purpose. He bookends this section of scripture before he goes into this wonderful um, liturgy about the power of God in our lives in the section we'll get into next week. He wants us to know that his suffering, suffering, Paul's suffering, serves a purpose to further the gospel. God's original design wasn't for us to suffer, but our suffering does give us an opportunity to embrace our humanity. Paul is acknowledging here that he is not God. He is not the one doing the work, that he is suffering for God. And I, wanna, I wanted to contrast this because as I was sitting and thinking about the fact that Paul was sitting in prison for a lot of the work that he did, Jesus actually escaped prison Time and time again, if you read through the Gospels, it says that Jesus slipped away into the crowd or they meant to grab and harm and arrest Jesus or to put him to death or stone him. And he, you know, kind of slipped away. So Paul didn't have that opportunity every time. There were plenty of times where um, Peter was set free and released from prison, where Paul was given um, his freedom multiple times throughout scripture. But a lot of them had that opportunity to be arrested and almost all of them. Um, ended up martyrs for the faith. But Jesus escaped until the appointed time. So I want us to get this idea that if Jesus escaped until the appointed time of him going to the cross, but Paul did not escape and is still furthering the work, I want you to know that if you need to get out of something, God can get you out of it. If he needs you to avoid a situation, God will make sure that you don't get entangled in it. Um, and if you get yourself into a pit, God will release you out of it. I want you to know that even the justice system, even justice in this earth, and I'm not talking about our, our judicial system in America. I'm talking about the justice of God in terms of our hardships and trials that we endure. Even that bends the knee to Jesus. We endure with Christ. Okay. We are united with him and his unity. We all know suffering. We know that this church was probably worried for him and we can take comfort and care in each other. He says, you guys don't be discouraged. Know that God is still working in our midst. God is still pushing us forward. This is some vulnerability on his part. 
And it's our vulnerability that can build community among us. Okay. Transparency is not the same as vulnerability. Transparency is being willing to talk about anything, but vulnerability is letting somebody into the places that still may tingle and hurt a little bit. It's saying, this is a tender spot for me. Something God is working out in my life. And that vulnerability is what allows sacred spaces like ours online to grow closer together and hold each other up. He's saying, don't be discouraged. I am in prison. I am bound. But I want you to know that in this vulnerable place, God is still working things out for his good. And that is the point of it all. Guys, Revelation 12 um, verses 10 through 12, a very popular verse tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. God has already given his blood. Um, Jesus already gave his blood, but it's our testimony that keeps us from not losing our lives to the point of death, as that scripture says, from not getting so consumed in everything that's going on in the world that we lose sight of everything else. And so I want you to know that we can conquer the accuser of our souls, the enemy that tries to lie to us when we're going through hard times or confusing times or just heavy times by being vulnerable in community the way Paul was here and knowing that even though we can't always see it, that God is working something good together for us. I recently went through a very rough season, dark season, where I felt like I was so far from God. I didn't want to talk to him. I was mad at him. I, I, I really didn't know what to do, but I knew enough to not make decisions about who God was in my brokenness. And so I sat there. And now as I sit back on the other side of that season, and I'm still walking out some of the, the remnant of it, I know that God used that to draw me away from some masks that I had gotten very comfortable wearing about who I was and how I operated to bring some revelation to me about who my true friends were and the type of weight that I was putting on certain relationships that needed to be adjusted. And he also showed me who he was. I came to a, an entirely different understanding of how much God loves me because I remember one day in my bedroom crying, feeling so broken and so worthless and saying, God, I wish in this like I had no strength. I was so depressed. I was so sad. I felt like I had nothing to offer. I was like, God, I wish somebody loved me right here when I had nothing to offer, when I couldn't do anything. I wish somebody said, you are worth loving. And I heard the spirit of God so clearly say to me, Brittany, I do. I love you just like that. And if you never offer me another thing, I love you and I will lay with you here because I love you just like that. And as much as I knew about the love of God before, as much as I felt and believed the love of God before, I came to know God in an entirely different way in that level of brokenness. Because it was there, I realized I really had offered nothing for him to love me. That he was willing to hold my hands and love me and call me beautiful and call me his, but had nothing to offer and he had nothing to gain. So, I just want to encourage you like Paul as we end today, that if you are going through a hard time or if a hard time comes in the future, knowing that your testimony um, doesn't just help somebody get over it, it brings your community close to hold you up, but it also allows an opportunity for God's purposes to be made manifest in your life. And the main purpose out of all of this, if we're going back up to the top, the main purpose of mysteries and this confidence and him bringing the Gentiles in and even in Paul's imprisonment was, was for us to become acquainted with who God is, unified under the mystery and the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we may have confident assurance in his love for us. Let me pray. Sisters, 
God, I thank you for my sisters. I thank you for our time in the word together. I thank you how you speak truth to us and how you've illuminated who you are. God, would we believe that you love us where we are, that we are seen, known, and loved by you, our Father? Would we find um, courage to overcome in our trials, to stand with you and not make long-term decisions when we are hurting and broken? God, will we allow you to work your eternal purposes out for us because we know you said you are working all things for the good, your good, and we know that your good includes good plans for us. We can trust you and you are trustworthy. Help us to be confident as we approach you, as we move um, out on the things that you're leading us to do. And God, may we endeavor to keep working through the mysteries, knowing you're just calling us closer to you as daughters. We love you and praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, love you so much. We'll see you in the chat and I'll check you out next week. You've been listening to the Seated Sisterhood Podcast. Would you take a moment and subscribe and review this podcast? When you do that, it helps us to equip and encourage so many others as we seek to spread the gospel by helping others dig deeply and confidently into their word. Thank you so much for joining and taking your seat at the table today. Catch you in the next episode.